I um, am honored to, to serve as lead pastor here, and we are in the midst of a, of a series. We are in the book of Hebrews, and uh, we are putting our gaze upon Jesus, fixing our eyes on him. Our focus is on Jesus Christ. But I've been, had my attention drawn to uh, a couple of things in the past few weeks. I've noticed uh, a theme as I've been preparing for this sermon, and I find it all throughout my life. I'm with my daughter, and I'm taking her into Target, and my daughter is two years old, and she's really active, and I try to put her in the seat, and they got on the seat this warning. The warning says, don't stand in this buggy. They actually show you a picture of the warning. This might happen if you don't pay attention. If you don't listen, this could happen to, to your kid. I go to McDonald's, and I go to get me a nice hot drink, and on the side of the cup says, warning, this hot. <laughs> this will burn you, so be, be prepared. This, this is hot. See, warnings are all throughout our life, trying to prepare us and look out for our well-being, keep us safe, get our mind focused so that we don't make a mistake that could cause some damage. In the second chapter of Hebrews, the writer is giving us a warning. I want to ask you to turn to chapter 2 in the book of Hebrews. That might be by your knees. Um, if not, you can look at the screen that we're going to have here today. Chapter 2, the book of Hebrews. I want to remind you of just, just four quick rules as we dive into this, into this series. As we dive into chapter 2 today, four quick rules. First one is that the unknown makes us feel known. We don't know exactly who wrote this book. We don't know exactly the situation. We do know there were some challenging times of the people and that the writer is one of the people. And that makes us feel known, right? Because it feels good when you can just say, this person may have been going through something similar that I'm going through. They, they, they may be able to relate. And so some of the penmanship may be able to speak to you and your situation. Number two, Hebrews is a, a book of encouragement. So they were going through some stuff, and this writer says, let me give you a pep talk. Let me get you amped. Let me get you excited to keep pushing on and persevering for Christ. Number three, as many of you have read the Bible or are reading the Bible or God is sparking something in you of a desire to read more of the Bible, you may see some references back to Old Testament scripture. The goal of this writer is not to be grammatically correct, not to be perfect in their wordplay. The goal of this writer is to connect the Old Testament with the new. His goal is so you would be like, oh, I see Jesus there. I see Jesus there. I see Jesus all over this thing. And that understanding who Jesus is will give them more encouragement in the midst of their trial. And lastly, this book of Hebrews is for you. If you ever went through something, you ever been tempted by something, you ever needed a word of encouragement, the book of Hebrews is for you. Look with me in 
chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell you of your name, my brother, to, to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children of God, the children of God has given me. Excuse me. Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he will likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every aspect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. The word of the Lord. Pastor, what you talking about? Got a mouthful. Let me, let me get a quick recap. Chapter 1. A beautiful verse that, that the Lord lays to help us understand who Jesus is. In chapter 1, verse 3, he just simply says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Chapter 1 is you understanding the spiritual aspect of who Jesus is. You've got to understand that Jesus is fully God. If there is any miracle that you've ever seen, if your hope has ever been in any entity, any miraculous being, Jesus is greater. Those things were good. Prophets were good. Angels were good. Miracles were good. But Jesus is better. 
And so chapter one is coming to establish and introduce us into, hey, your faith can be built upon this pillar, which is Jesus, because it is being built upon the Old Testament track record of God. And he is the exact expression of God in the flesh. If chapter one was to help you get some encouragement and and be willing to take a step out on faith because of spiritually who Jesus is, chapter two has the goal of helping you understand if he was fully God in chapter one, he's fully man. And I want you to see why him being fully man is a good thing for us. Amen? Amen. So look with me in chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must put much closer attention to what we have heard is another version of the ESV. Uh, Lest we drift away from it. Put much closer attention. And saying, wake up. Give me your attention. I know you got life going on. I know you're juggling a bunch of different things. But right here is where I need your focus. Why? Because we are prone to the easy. How many of you have ever been to a water park? Water park. Uh, Bobby's, Bobby's daughters, I don't remember if it was Terry or Aaron, one of them said to me, Pastor, just for my birthday, I just want to go to a water park. And water parks have the, 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 the giant slide where you come down and splash at the end of it. Water parks will have a, a, a swimming pool where you can, you know, splash around. But when you look for me in the water park, you're going to find me on this thing called the Lazy River. The Lazy River ain't that fast. All that splashing and stuff. Take your young self over there. That's for y'all over there. See, the Lazy River... It's for those of us that just want to chill. I ain't got to kick. I ain't got to swim. I just let the river take me where it will. See, this writer is warning these believers because he's saying, be careful. Be careful because spiritually you will begin to drift if you don't make a decision about this Christ. You will just allow culture to just take you where it will because you're not willing to to, to put in some effort, willing to to put in some decisions about will you stand for Christ in the midst of challenge. And so he's saying, warning, warning, you are drifting too far. And if you don't acknowledge the spiritual aspect of who this God is and the humanity of who he is, you're drifting towards eternal damnation. So he says, hey, pay close attention. You know what we've heard. Lest we begin to drift away. Continue with verse 2. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. It's basically saying, hey, sin is real and disobedience is real and disobedience will be punished. See, we we, we think we we, we, we get away with it, right? I remember I was coming out of coming out of school and uh, 
It's like, okay, dang, like I've, I've been on my parents' taxes my whole life. In school, I started doing my taxes a little bit, but when I came out now, I got to file taxes. What's up with this? Why they get all this money? So I'm, I'm, I'm doing my taxes and little homie start coming up. Hey, I got a, I got a couple kids we can add on your taxes. I know your return ain't but a little, little. You're a single dude working. They're getting a lot of, I could triple your taxes. I know, I know some people that, that all of a sudden had three kids. Where you get three kids? I know. And the checks was big and, and, and it looked great. And, and the worry, the stress, the fear that accompanied them years after because they're worried. Is the IRS going to catch me? And that just happened a year and a half ago. I know some people that didn't have no businesses. Uncle Sam said, oh, we'll help you get it. We'll give you $20,000. We'll give you $50,000 for your business through COVID. We'll talk. Folks start filling out, oh, I got a shoe business. Let me go buy, buy one Nike. I got a shoe business. Let me go get a hat. Folks start creating stuff, making up stuff. But See, when, when, you, when you are making decisions that are not God-honoring, that are sinful, there, there's a just retribution. See, it comes back around one way or another. And what this is saying is, don't, don't worry. You may not even see the humanitarian side of the consequence. Jesus will see. You will meet him someday. There's going to be a day where his judgment comes forward. And what's your saving grace? What's it going to be built on? It's going to be built on the fact that Jesus is God fully, built on the fact that Jesus is man fully, or built on some other aspect where you think you should be getting by. Continue with me in verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to to his will. It's, uh, it's, it, it's a description here of, of an inescapable problem, of, of, a, of a problem called sin. My, my family, and I said, and sin is, is the breaking of God's heart in choosing to go in a manner that he doesn't desire. Because some people say, well, Pastor, that ain't really sin. Like, I did not, no. Is it what God desired? The varying levels, steal, cheat, lie. Like, well, it was a what, like, no. Is it what God desired? If not, heartbreak. And sin is manifested when we break God's heart. But my wife and I, uh, actually, I'm, my wife is not as much of an enjoyment, but me and my kids enjoy it a lot. We, we like to watch, um, uh, I don't even know what it's called now. It used to be called Funniest Home Videos. Now it's like an 
acronym. Uh, I guess Americans funny as home be AFD. Um, and so we, we like to watch it because, you know, you, you see a little animal run, and I know it ain't good, but a little animal run, and then they run into the glass, and they don't see the glass. You know, you're like, oh, that's jacked up, you know? Daddy tried to swing at the pinata, hit his uncle in the knee. You know, just like little stuff happened. And, and, and what, what sometimes would like trip me up is when, when the mom is with the kids and phone rings, she stepped away for two seconds, comes back, the two kids are taking the flower in the kitchen and just got it everywhere. 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 But it's funny that she'll peer around the corner, see them, these kids realize they've done something wrong and try to clean it up. And when they try to clean it up, what happens? It gets worse. The more they try to clean the stuff up, the dirtier everything gets. And that's the image of us as sinful people. We are in a place where sin is real and everything we touch can have the potential of breaking God's heart and in and of ourselves, we try to clean it up ourselves and, and make do and make it better and it just gets worse. It's inescapable. And here we are seeing in these verses what it is that we are being saved from. That's why he says, should we neglect such a great salvation? I'm saved from the breaking down of this world that my hands create. I'm also saved from an eternal separation from God. You see, when we talk about salvation, we also have to ask the question, what am I saved from? What am I saved from? Salvation means nothing if I don't know what I'm being saved from. And we're being saved from hell. And hell is described in a variety of ways. Some people say it means eternal torment. Other people say it means just being away from God and not being in his presence. And then there's all these people. In, all I know is I don't want to be there. All I know is that's not a place where you want to end. All I know is that God offers so much beauty, so much joy, so much love, and he says, you can be with me for eternity, but you must be saved. You must be saved. And it's interesting that he says you can go through life drifting, seeming to get ahead. Oh, the drifters do move. The drifters do prosper sometimes. But you can drift and still be unsaved. And so he's warning them, warning them, warning them, don't neglect it, don't neglect it, don't neglect this great salvation because this God is presenting himself before you in spirit and also in flesh. And when you realize who's got your back, it gives you more energy to persevere. That's what he's trying to say to them. Take hold of the beauty of who God is so he can help you get through. Our sister Jenny had uh, preached a sermon a month or two ago. And uh, during her sermon, she had referenced that she would try to go to one parent and get something. If that parent said no, then she'd try to go to the other one. But man, they happen to both be in unison. 
Look with me at the, the unity of the Godhead in verses 3 through 5. Verse 3 says, Jesus, the Lord, was the one who declared it. Then we get the apostles who hear it and share it. Then we get the Father who testifies to this with signs and wonders. And we get the Holy Spirit who says, well, I'm, I ain't going to miss out on the party. I'm going to distribute some gifts just so that y'all know this God, this Jesus is worth living for. Saying, what else you need? In unison. Continue with me, verse 5. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Subjection to him. It's, it's interesting that, uh, that you can like, you can want to have power. You can want to have authority. But we don't even have the ability to control ourselves. I'm going to say this, I'm guilty of it, I, 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 ain't, I ain't proud of it, but, but sometimes my, my pride will lead me to do dangerous things. And one of those dangerous things is when my body is telling me, chill out, take a break, I don't listen. So we on a long drive, and I know y'all ain't never been here, it's just me, so just stay right here. We on a long drive. Everybody else in the car is asleep. It's nighttime. Now, I know I'm supposed to, you better pull on over. I know I'm supposed to, I'm getting to that tire point where it's like everything getting a little bit hazy. I love my family and would do anything for my family. But I, but I, but I want to get to where I'm going and I'm not listening to my body tell me these signs. And I think that I can just force myself to stay up. So what you do, you start pinching yourself. Biting the tongue, eating the skip, roll down the window. You driving like this now, you know what I'm saying? You trying to do everything you can, but you can't control it. You can't wake that body up. Get you a coffee. You'll be sleeping in 30 minutes. There's an aspect of who we are where we, we, we realize if it's not driving, it's something else for you where you realize you don't have control. And these scriptures, these, these, uh, these words that are coming from the writer are, are reminders that the, the authority and the dominion that God gave us, we lost it because of the fall. That we, we lost the dominion and power that God had given us. If you, if you go back to uh, Genesis chapter 1, and I, I love one of the writers that I, that I like reading. He says, when God created the world, he did so by making us humans a little lower than angels. And you'll find that in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through, through 31. And he gave us dominion and he gave us authority over his creation. But we chose to rebel against God. We chose to, in, 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 
to embrace sin and entering in with sin became Satan who takes our authoritative place. Now, Satan begins to be the prince of this world. Satan begins to have some type of influence in this world. Satan got a little bit of authority. And what God is wanting the people of God to know, wants you and I to know, is hold up, hold up, hold up. Things got out of order. You see, Satan began to have some influence and you began to be chained. You began to be bound. You began to be hooked to sin. So first what I got to do is allow you to realize I'm fully God, I'm fully man, and in being so, I want to restore you back to your proper place. A woman, a man of authority, not authority above God, but to be one that will usher forth the authority I've given you. I've told you to rule this world. I've told you this world comes under your leadership and your authority and that you are to be a good steward of it. Don't embrace sin so that Satan now is, is, is treating you like a little puppet and you're supposed to be leading with my authoritative influence. Instead, you're leading with his influence. You see, here is a reminder of Jesus' position and our position with him, being crowned with glory and with honor. And that we get a chance to also be benefactors of what is underneath him, what's been subjected to him, and what he has given unto us. Authority. And be careful, because sometimes authority, like, isn't popular. Doing what God wants isn't popular. People will, will maybe do something that's popular, but it don't mean it's godly. Jesus restores. He takes on flesh, becomes human so that we could be freed from the grips of sin and, and have our authoritative place with him. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm in charge because Jesus is in charge. Got to know who you are. We are a child of God. He's given us authority. Don't drift, family. Fully human. He's fully God. Continue me in verse 9. But we see him for a little while, was made Lord in the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by, by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through the suffering. For he... Who's, excuse me, who sanctifies, and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is, why, that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I tell you of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given Jesus is crowned with, with glory, and he bestows that glory unto us, restores us as sons and as daughters. I, uh, I, I, I love when, 
when folks uh, go out to have a good time and there's a few, a few cool, cool um, memes out, right? Meme, it ain't even a meme. Sorry, I dated myself like, like dang, I'm like, uh, what would you call TikToks that, I don't know, where people just will say like, we had a time last night, you know, like, like people are like referencing parties that they've thrown and having a ball and, and we, our family lives near a, uh, uh, like a, a series of Airbnbs and it seems like every other weekend there's a wedding party that's coming and you can always tell who the bride is. Because they're getting all their stuff together. They're about to go have a party. And she's got this cool crown. I don't know if it's, it's always made out of something unique. But you can tell who that person is. And God allows for his, his glory, his splendor to be all upon his people. What is his glory? It's the, the manifestation of his attributes. What is his glory? It is his, his visible splendor on display. What is his glory? It's his holiness expressed in visible form. I saw somebody help someone else, and I was like, man, look at that glory. You know, I saw someone sacrificially give. Look at that glory. I saw someone who, who had tried to explain again and again this situation, and instead of getting mad that the person wasn't getting it, they displayed patience. Glory on display. And so we get a chance to, to be set in our rightful place as sons and daughters. We get a chance to have that glory be something that we get to embrace and walk in. And this Jesus is saying, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe that I have crowned you? Or do you believe that I've been crowned with glory? You see, as a spiritual reaction or spiritual action that gives us a human reaction. He, he does so much for us. His glory on full display. All with this goal in mind. To care for our sins. To deliver us. What happens is, is Jesus recognizes this sin problem, this shackling problem that we have, and he covers our sin by giving his life. He recognizes that we are separated from God, and he dies so that we can be reconciled to the Father. Our distance from God is eliminated because Jesus is willing to die and restore us. Not only is your dominion and authority given, not only is, is this glory given, you are put in a new place with God. I, uh, I, I married my beautiful wife, and uh, she has a sensitive nose, and so, and so I, I, I have not worn cologne that much uh, in our marriage. She just bought me a bottle for what? And, 17, 18, I'm about to get in trouble. 18 years of marriage. Um, she bought me a bottle last year. But when I was in high school, I, I, I think I used to use cologne with like, just like, like it was a water gun. I'd be like, you know, like light myself up. Yeah, my, my fragrance was curved back then, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and 
no doubt some friends would come to place and be like, Lee, was you here? You ain't even in the room. You've been gone 30. Was you, was you here? Because when I left, the smell just stayed. You know what I mean? It just lingered. It just, and, 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 and that is, the, that is the, the essence of the glory of God. Like your imprint is upon a place because of God's attributes working through you. Folks get to see, they get to get to embrace the love and the care of God because we are his redeemed people. And so this writer is writing to them saying, I know you're going through some stuff. I know evil seems like it's winning. Don't worry. The glory of the Lord is on you. Don't let what you see be the determinant of the glory of God. Let what he tells you be the defining thing of the glory of God. If he says, I'm a son, I'm a son. If he says, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. If he says, I'm delivered and I have dominion and authority, then I believe it. Why? Because he has it. And he wants to give abundantly to his children. Continue with me in verse 14. I'm going to get you all since therefore the children share in flesh and share in blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those through, uh, who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. He says, don't drift, y'all. You got a dominion and authority, y'all. You got, you got glory, y'all. You've been delivered, y'all. You've been saved. But there is an enemy that's lurking in the background that is trying to control all this. And it may seem like he's getting ahead because you're facing adversity. It may seem like some of the tests and trials that you go through and those tests and trials may be coming at you. For some of us, our life is pretty cool and things feel okay, but internally is where our wrestling happens. He's saying, don't worry, this devil is defeated. Don't worry, you are delivered from his power. Don't worry, his so-called position is limited and don't worry. I've got you. Fear need not be a part of your equation. What needs to gird you and, and keep you grounded is the fact that at the cross, Satan was defeated. He has very little power. The only power he has is to try to trick and to try to fool us. I like the African Bible commentary says, so Jesus became fully human, taking on flesh and blood so that he could endure human death. Through his death, he acquired victory over death and destroyed Satan, who holds uh, the power of death. The word destroy does not mean the devil ceased to exist, for he is still alive and working to deceive us. But he was disarmed, and so he can no longer steal, kill, or destroy. You know? I, 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 you, you, this happened to you, it's happened to me. You walking through the hood, might have been when you was a kid, might have been the other day, you walking through the hood, and you walking, and before you know it, you see a dog come running at you. You get scared, you get ready to run, and then you see the dog on a leash. Who? 
Anybody see me trip? Anybody, you know, like you look around, make sure you're cool. But knowing that that dog is bound, that that dog is chained. Whew. You see, Satan was defeated at the cross and he's limited. The Lord has given him a, a leash to tempt us, to try to scare us, to try to create fear in us, but no power. Maybe a loud bark, but no power. And so this Jesus is saying to you, don't walk in fear. I have delivered you. I am fully God, fully man, providing for you deliverance. And lastly, word verses 17 and 18. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. My grandmother would say to me when I was uh, about 13, my grandmother would say to me, son, I don't want you drinking. Because in our family, we got this, we got this disease of drinking and specifically the men in our family have this disease. So stay away from that stuff. She would just tell me, stay away from it, stay away. And uh, yeah, I didn't listen. Went to college, started, you know, actually started at the end of high school, went to college, I was doing my thing. The Lord grabbed my heart and showed me that that was one of the, one of the uh, vices that started to, to grip me. But, but I, I have noticed something as people that I love in my family that I'm really close through to have, have broken away from that addiction. Uh, as my wife would share from me from some of, uh, some of the training she had before uh, we moved here uh, about addiction, I've noticed that people who go through AA uh, get some amazing help. But when they have a sponsor who's also gone through what they've gone through, man, it makes the world of difference. I remember talking to a, a person extremely close to me uh, and understanding his plight and him telling me like some of the things that uh, he was ashamed of that he did because of his addiction. But now, how he's been able to be a sponsor and help so many people because he can look them in his eye and say, I know what you've been through. I know what you've been through. I know the temptation. I know the gravity. And I know what can help you. You see, Jesus goes through uh, being fully man because he can identify with every temptation. Every aspect of struggle, every aspect of temptation, every pain, every hurt. He says, I have been through it too, but I chose not to sin. I've walked that walk. You pick it. He's been through it and he has done it so that he can have compassion for us, so he can have mercy, so he can demonstrate his faithful love for you in the situation. He doesn't say, I love you once you get good. I love you once you arrive. He says, I'll step right in here with you, comfort you, walk with you, and I'll love you in the midst of it. Why? Because I was there too. I didn't sin. But I was tempted just as you are. 
You see, this book is a book that's for everyone. This Hebrews writer is understanding that we fall to temptation, that we can be tempted to, to even abandon the faith at times. We can be tempted to just drift and allow culture to carry us. He's saying, no, this God is fully God, fully man. Make a decision to build your life on it. Because not making a decision has an eternal impact that could lead to hell. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time. There's nothing greater than your word, Lord. We pray that we can go back to Hebrews 2 and be encouraged. We can see that that you call us family, you call us sons and daughters, and then towards the end, you call us children of God. We get this this beautiful uh, uh, picture of, of your people and your body being your family, being intimately connected to you. We get, Lord, this, this uh, understanding of, of your drift, but to make an intentional step towards you. You bless us, Lord, and give us deliverance. You give us dominion. You allow your glory to, to, to dwell on us and work through us, God, and we don't take it for granted. We thank you, Father, for being able to relate because you know what we go through and you walk with us right on through it. That's in your holy name we pray, Jesus.